Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Today, we are going to talk about the question that everybody has (laughs) in their first year. It's like, when are these chickens going to start laying? And especially if you got them in the summer or fall, there may be a reason they haven't started laying, and we're going to talk about that. So uh, remember, if you, and I do have a, I have a listener question that I am going to be answering today. So Remember, if you have a question, you can go to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com and go to the contact section and then you will find ask a chicken question and you can submit your question there. I cannot respond to all the questions. I'm so sorry. I get so many questions, lots and lots of questions, um, but I do try to read them all and your question could be chosen to be on Bok Talk and you could be chicken famous and the envy of all your chicken friends. (laughs) That's the goal. So uh, before we get started, I've got two announcements I want to make. First, as always, I want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my favorite chicken. My favorite chicken is my favorite online shop to get my feed, including scratch and peck feed, which you guys know I love. All my chicken supplies, fun chicken stuff like that funny chicken purse that I showed you guys in my last video and many other things. Um, So that's myfavoritechicken.com. Remember to check them out and tell them that I sent you. My second announcement is just a reminder that I have an online course. It's called Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. And that's because it's for everyone, including you. (laughs) Uh, It is the perfect gift. I mean, we're coming up on gift giving time. So this is the perfect gift for an aspiring chicken person or somebody that just wants to level up their chicken game, or you can buy it for yourself, which I'm a hundred percent in support of treat yourself. (laughs) Um, So you can check it out at course.welcometochickenlandia.com. Or you can find it by going through my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com. Okay, so it is the time during this podcast recording that I am going to tell you a little chicken story. And today I'm going to talk about the urge in the chicken keeping community and in, in all communities, in humanity, to be perfect. Now, I was thinking about this this week because... 
a couple weeks ago, I put out a video and it had a little bit of a provocative title. It was, it was titled, I think I changed the title since then, but it was originally titled, Oh My God, Stop Killing Predators. <laughs> or it was like, OMG, Stop Killing Predators. Your chickens need them. And, you know, in the thumbnail, it was like a picture of a raccoon with an arrow and it was like essential. And so obviously, like anybody that has been keeping chickens for any amount of time would be like, what are you talking about? Like chickens don't need predators because predators kill chickens. But I did have a point. And if you watch the video, you will get the point. <laughs> um, but obviously I got some pushback just from posting the title and thumbnail on, you know, very, on social media, I did get pushback, but just so you guys know, for those that watch the video, you, you know, there would have been the realization that I wasn't judging anybody for, for uh, exterminating predators because I do, although I don't do that myself, I do understand the motivation behind that. But what the video was actually talking about is how when you basically when you disturb your local ecosystem, no matter how you do it, whether you're like trapping and releasing or if you're uh, killing off predators, what you're doing is you're creating a bit of an imbalance and you can end up with some other problems around your chicken yard and within your chicken yard, including rodent infestation, because the predators that eat chickens most of them also eat rodents. So that's really what I was talking about in the video. And I really tried, I know the title was provocative, but I really tried in the video to, to say, you know, you don't have to think like me. You don't have to have my same philosophy. Like basically we're chicken keepers. And because of that, I, you know, I feel connected to you. And even if we don't think exactly the same way and you know, I mean, I also was saying like it's it's best to predator proof so that you can have a predator presence and they can help balance out the rodent population, you know, without having to exterminate them. But, you know, I do understand. And I did say in the video that I understand that predator proofing is expensive. So, you know, it was about doing the best you can. So anyway, like I said, I posted it on social media and yes, I got some uh salty i guess <laughs> comments and usually it was from people that did not clearly clearly did not watch it now some of them i just didn't pay attention to like somebody just commented ridiculous <laughs> so i was like okay like i'm you know i'm not going to pay attention to that but being that i am at heart a people pleaser that's the kind of person i am I do confess that it is hard for me when I get that kind of criticism, especially if it's coming from, you know, more than one person. And so ended up like responding back and forth with these people and defending myself. And the funny thing was, is it wasn't like the, most of the criticism was not about what I was actually saying in the video. It was a criticism about my coop about my chicken yard, about how it's not predator proof enough, about how my netting wasn't good enough, which, you know, I have talked about it. My netting might look flimsy, but it is very strong. And I was like trying to say, like, you don't understand, like, 
This is industrial grade netting. Yes, a raccoon, if they had all night to work on it, they maybe could get through it. But my chickens are locked up in a in a very secure coop at night. So they, you know, that would just that would be it. There and the raccoon wouldn't get a reward. And and, a, and nocturnal predators, it would take them a long time to get through it. And I feel that they wouldn't take that chance during the day. Now, I could be wrong. Like there could be a situation, and this is with every coop and run, you know, there's always something that you don't anticipate. And you end up with a predator attack. And that is like, it happens to the best of us. So I was just, I was trying to say like, look, I, I get it. And, and I was like going back and forth. And then finally, I just said, it's not perfect. And perfection is not the goal. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to do the best I can. And once I said that, there were like no further comments because I kind of like, I mean, I think I kind of like took the the wind out of their sails a little bit. And not that they weren't, they didn't have valid points, but it was clear to me that basically they didn't, you know, they're just going to be some people who don't want you in the room and it doesn't matter what you say. They just don't want you in the room. And so that, that became clear to me at some point. And I think Um, I, you know, I just came to terms with the fact that this criticism is not about me. You know, it's just about the fact that they just don't want, they just don't want to hear me for whatever reason. (laughs) So I do want to take, you know, I guess what I took away from that was it helped me to remember that my ultimate goal is not to be perfect. And even though like, the company that I have, like all the other chicken keeping educators, the influencers, like a lot of them, like they have these magnificent coops. And I do consider my coop pretty extra, <laughs> especially compared to, you know, what I had before. Although I loved what I had before, like neither of them are perfect, but on Instagram and on Facebook and, you know, on, on YouTube, like you can see these coops that are just like, oh my gosh, like, do your chickens poop? Like, <laughs> like what? What is happening here? This like is not real. But my always my thing has always been to keep it real f- for you guys, so that you will know that we're here to do the best we can. And because I want to keep chicken keeping inclusive, I don't. I will never say that you have to be perfect. Just do the best you can. And I hope that I communicated that in that video, like that it's not about being perfect and, you know, predator proofing is expensive and we just do the best we can. So anyway, I think that, you know, even if you have poop in your coop, (laughs) your chickens are better off than most chickens in the world. And so are mine. So I have to remember that. And I just wanted to remind you too. Okay, guys, I want to get to the question that was submitted. Um, it was actually submitted a while ago uh, during my break. You guys know I took a break recently because I have been writing a book, and now we're in the editing phase of that book. So it's still going to be some time before it comes out. But uh, this question is from a listener named Victoria. And Victoria says, all my chickies are overlaying age by three to four weeks. The youngest pullet 
A pullet is a female chicken that has not reached a point of lay. Is the only one who's showing any interest in the nesting boxes. She's also the head chook, LOL. (laughs) Is it possible that the other girls are hormonally waiting for her to lay her first egg? So I will say, you know, I mean, that it's possible. Maybe they are waiting. Maybe, uh, you know, there's some dynamic there that they're just waiting for her to lay her first egg and then they'll get started laying. It could also depend on their breeds and it also depends on the time of year, which we're going to talk about. But I likely they have started laying Victoria. So tell me in the comments if, if you have witnessed your first egg. And if not, just keep listening. <laughs> okay, so let's just talk a little bit about, about laying and when chickens lay. So on average, they will start anywhere from about 16 to 20 weeks. Now, this is on average, and it varies a lot with breed. Production breeds are going to start the earliest. And I have heard of a chicken starting at 14 weeks. That's not very common, but it's it's possible. The other thing that you have to take into account is it depends on the time of year that you got your baby chicks and what time of year it is when those baby chicks reach the point of lay. So if you bring your chickens, your baby chicks, let's say you, say you get a new flock of baby chicks, and it's in the spring, then you will probably get your first egg in the summer or fall, okay, depending on the breed and all that. But if you bring your first batch of baby chicks home in the late summer or the fall, then also depending on the breed, it is possible that they will wait until after the summer solstice or into spring before they stop, start laying. So basically, they may come into lay when, the, uh, when it's starting to get colder, but it's actually not the temperature that makes them stop laying. It is the length of days. So they need a certain number of hours of daylight in order to lay. And in the winter, of course, the days are shorter. So they won't, they usually, depending on the breed, they usually will not start laying in the winter. They'll wait until those days get longer and then they will start laying. So what I tell people, because at some point they start to get a little bit impatient. (laughs) I'm not saying you did, Victoria, but I mean, I did because my first batch of baby chicks, I got them in like July And I was like, when are these chickens going to lay? And they waited until after the, after the winter solstice. Did I say summer solstice solstice earlier? I meant winter solstice. So yeah, I don't, I totally lost my train of thought, but oh yeah, I was getting, I was getting impatient. So it does take a little bit of patience, but don't worry. It is going to happen. And you can tell that it's about to happen when their combs get more pronounced and they get nice and red and their wattles get a little bit bigger and nice and red and they might squat. Like if you come up to them, especially if they're already tame, if you might walk up to them and, and like bend down to pet them and they'll do that little submissive squat because they think you're a rooster. 
(laughs) They just don't know. Chickens don't know. Uh, And so that is also an indication that they're getting ready to start laying. And then you might see them like pacing around where the nesting boxes are or just pacing on the roost. And they might even start singing the egg song like they're practicing it. And but they they don't lay. It might take them a while to lay. And then when they lay like the first egg, they might just like lay it while they're on the roost because they don't know what to do. <laughs> so it takes them a little while sometimes to figure it out. But you can get like um, golf balls or like wooden eggs um, or ceramic eggs and put them in the nesting boxes. And that will let them know where they need to lay and encourage them to lay in the appropriate place. So uh, Victoria, I hope that answered your question and I hope you are getting eggs. Okay. I see you in the chat. You said uh, all three have laid. My silky was the last to start laying. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because silkies are not production breeds. They lay some eggs and then they go broody. (laughs) And the head chicky I was asking about is a buff Orpington. She was the first to lay. Yep. Silkies are late bloomers at eight to nine months. Yep, that yeah, silkies will will wait a little bit a little bit later to stop to start laying. But I'm so I know you were so proud. <laughs> like when I when I found my first egg, it was like it was like I had laid that egg. <laughs> I was very very proud. Wendy asked, "Can golf balls make some chickens go broody? Possibly, possibly. You could try it." Okay, guys, I am going to open the chat up for questions. Okay, so uh, we have a question from David Compass. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Have you ever had Merrick's disease? I don't believe that I have. And I I say that because um, a lot of people don't know this because Merrick's disease is almost kind of like the boogeyman in chicken keeping communities. Like when we talk about it, there's a lot of fear attached to it. But I will say that there are many different strains of Merrick's disease. It's not just, you know, and all of them aren't, you know, as virulent and as uh, deadly as others. Merrick's disease is very common. It is literally everywhere, especially where I live. Now there may be other places in the country where it's not as common, but where I live, it is very, very common. So I, I feel like, you know, you run your greatest risk when you bring in chickens from other flocks, or if you're showing chickens, you're also running a risk. Now there is a vaccine for Merrick's, but it is not a sterilizing vaccine. So um, I think that's how you say it. It will prevent, um, in most cases, it will prevent symptoms like serious symptoms and death in your chickens, but it won't keep them from contracting to the disease. So they can still carry, you know, they can still carry the disease. They can be carriers and not show outward symptoms and, and not die. So they can, and when they're carriers, they're carrying it, you know, for life. So you know, I mean, basically what I say, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I mean, I take in rescue chickens and so that's a chance that I take, but I also am aware that it's likely that I will come in contact with it if, if at some point, if not already. And so I don't rehome my chickens uh, very often. 
I'm pretty intense about just having them stay here. Now, there have been a few roosters that I've rehomed, but they've been with people that I have, you know, full disclosure of my situation here that I do rescue kins, that there is a chance of, of disease. And so I think that you can be responsible and not, not be afraid and just have all the information. So, you know, certainly there is, there are strains of Merrick's disease that can cause real problems in your flock. But I don't think like, if you just get a positive, uh, you know, if, if you're, if your flock is Merrick's positive, you can, depending on how severe it is and, and always, always remember, I'm not a veterinarian. So always defer to what your veterinarian says. But I know of cases where people have kept their flocks and they've been very responsible about not rehoming them and practicing good biosecurity and, you know, they were just happy and didn't think about it every single day. <laughs> and, um, at, you know, there's usually going to be some chickens that get will get sick and succumb to it. And then there'll, there'll be some chickens that for whatever reason they have, you know, some immunity to it and it, they live with it and they're OK. OK, so Nancy Pepin asks, is it true that roosters should eat lay shouldn't eat layer feed? Is that true? <sighs> so. <sighs> There are different different opinions about this. I will say just right off the bat, my roosters do eat layer feed. Um, and then I offer oyster shell to, you know, in a separate dish for my hens. Now, the formula that my chickens eat is scratch and peck feed. And they have done fine with it. My roosters have, I mean, if if you have watched my channel... I have one rooster, Philippe, and it seems like nothing can kill that chicken because he has been, he has a chronic disease. He has some kind of chronic like sinus uh, disease and he has had many problems and has been to the vet many times. And for whatever reason, he just keeps going and he's, he's quite well. So I think that this is one of those cases where I will say that it is possible that the best case scenario would be for you to feed your flock all flock and then like an all flock type of, of feed and then, um, uh, you know, so make sure that you supplement calcium for your laying hens. Now, that being said, I think there's a lot of factors to take in into consideration because you know, the, the type of feed that I use and the quality that I'm looking for, I there's not an all flock that, that I can get from that brand. And I feel like the benefits of feeding my chickens this uh, high quality feed that is very nutritious and I also ferment it that the benefit of me doing that outweighs the outweighs the small risk of what could happen, you know, if a rooster got too much calcium, you know, you, this is one of those things that you're just going to have to decide for yourself. I also take into account the human experience of keeping chickens. So is it going to be easier for you to get access to layer feed? Because some people just don't have access to a, like an all flock feed. Is it going to be easier for you to get access to layer feed? If that's the case, I want you to do that and just not, not feel bad about it at all. I have, I've always fed my roosters layer feed. 
Okay. And I know that there's some people that would disagree with me, but I think in the interest of keeping, making sure my hens have enough calcium and enough of the other nutrients that is in layer feed is more important than, you know, it's, it's more critical to me than, um, you know, possibly my rooster getting too much calcium because hens are, they are, especially production breeds, they are lay, they are bred to just lay, 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 and it's not natural. It's really not natural. So they need a lot of support. So I feel more comfortable making sure that they get layer feed and like, they get all the nutrients that they need in their diet. Then I worry about my roosters getting more calcium. So that's, that's my answer. Not everybody's going to agree with me. There's going to be chicken uh, educators that do not agree with me, but that's where, that, that's how I, I, I feel more comfortable landing in that, in that spot. Wendy uh, Kalis, I'm probably pronouncing your last name wrong, I'm sorry, asks, how cold is too cold to have chickens be out in the yard? Or you just give them a, do you just give them a choice? Uh, yes, give them a choice. They will decide if it's too cold for them to be out in the yard, but you definitely should open the door for them every day and let them decide whether or not they want to be out in the yard. That There are some chickens that just, will not go out into the snow. And then there's some chickens that seem to not mind at all. And they will go out into the snow for the first time this year. I have chickens that are willing to go out into the snow. Cause we did have snow, um, last Monday, a, a week from today, a, a week before from, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going back to the future. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to say that. A week ago, today. There you go. There you go. I We did get snow and I had chickens that went out into the snow and I've never had that. Like only my ducks would go out. And this time I had chickens go out into the snow. So you never know. Definitely you want to give them a choice. Uh, Sharon Shepard asks, can you recommend a good book for starters? You know, uh, I'm working on a book. But it's not out yet. <laughs> Otherwise, I would tell you my book. Uh, the second thing I'm going to tell you is take my online course. And you can find it at course.welcometochickenlandia.com. And to me, like, I'm like a visual learner. And I really try to make it, like, fun and easy. And it's interactive, too. So there's that. Know that you have that option. I think I would get Stories Guide to Raising Chickens. I think that's the name of it. It is by Gail Damero. And she is really the most knowledgeable out there. And she has another book. I was talking about it in my last video called The Chicken Health Handbook. And that is a really good book to have. And even though I don't, uh, you know, I don't subscribe to every everything she talks about in the book because she's not, I'm very natural leaning and she's not as natural leaning as I am. She gives so much good information and you will learn so much about chicken disease and what to look for. And it'll just, you know, I said it in my last video, like knowledge is power and it'll give you, it'll give you lots of knowledge and lots of power. So Barbara King asks, I know you told us before, but how do you ferment feed? I do have a video about fermenting feed and I will post that in the show notes and in the description, but it is so easy. I can't really give you like every step by step right now because it would take too long, 
But really all you need is feed and water and a spoon and a container. <laughs> you don't want to like cover it com- really tight because you got to let the gas, you got to let it breathe. Um, so a lid that you can put loosely on whatever container you're using. And I would, I will use um, food grade plastic or glass, but not don't use a metal container to ferment feed. But it, it is so easy. Just very quickly, you just do like one part. Let's see, is it one part feed? I would start with one part feed and three parts water. And I think that's what I do. Like, <laughs> or is it two parts water? I can't remember. You, you can play around with it a lot. Like now I just kind of guesstimate. I don't even really measure anything. But basically, like you're you're putting water over the feed. It needs to cover the feed. And remember that it expands. Okay. And you stir it at least once a day. And usually by the thir- about the third day, it will be nice and fermented. And you can tell because it smells like, it's got kind of like a tangy smell. It smells a little bit like sourdough, yogurty, kind of sweet. Uh, some people really don't like the smell. <laughs> but as long as it doesn't smell like alcoholic or rancid, then I, I would say you're usually okay. But use your discretion on that. Like if it smells just off to you, then don't use it. But it it's so easy. And I just keep batches going so that every day I have a full batch that's ready. And then my chicken, I feed it to them in the morning and they eat all of it that day. So I fully encourage you to do it and just go check out on my channel uh, or I'll leave the link or, and I think the video is called cut your chicken feed bill in half with this simple process because it, it does expand your feed and it also makes the new, it, it puts good bacteria into your feed, which is really good for your chickens. And it, it makes the nutrients that's already in the feed more bioavailable to your chickens bodies. And so they could actually, not only is it going to expand the feed, but they, they may actually eat less of it because they won't need as much to get the nutrients that they need. And you can do it to mash feed, like a raw mash feed. You can do it with crumble. You can do it with pellets. Some crumble, and there's a lot of variation with crumble and pellets. Sometimes it doesn't work out well. So you might want to play around with that and start out with small batches. But don't ferment medicated feed for your chicks. Because to be quite honest with you, I don't know what the ferment, how the ferment affects the medication. And I don't know how the medication affects the ferment. So I would not chance it. I would not uh, ferment medicated feed. And certainly with chicks, you really need to pay attention to how it smells. If it develops mold or if it smells off, don't feed it to them. Or with adult chickens, but really pay attention to it when it's baby chicks. (laughs) 13 Moon says, my chickens aren't very smart. My chickens aren't very bright. They stay out in the rain. (laughs) It's always like silkies. It's always like, silkies and showgirls or whatever, anything with like silky feathers just stays out in the rain and wants to sleep in the nesting box. (laughs) Uh, Dark Circles asks, can mite dust kill your chickens? So, I mean, I, 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 I guess it depends on what you're using. I don't recommend seven dust. I just, it's just not a product that I recommend because it, it does have, 
um, you know, a pretty negative effect on the environment. And also just, I, I wouldn't want to use it cause I wouldn't want to inhale that. And I, I wouldn't want my chickens to inhale it. Um, that there have been situations where people used it because they were just like, they had such an intense problem that they had to use it. So I don't blame anybody for using it, but it, I won't, you know, I won't personally recommend it. If you're talking about diatomaceous earth, as long as you are getting food grade, which is amorphous diatomaceous earth, then that should not have a negative effect on your chickens or you. I still wear a mask if I'm like dumping it out because, um, or if I'm putting it on my chickens because I don't want to get any kind of dust in my lungs. But usually, you know, the, if it gets in the chicken's lungs, the, their, their lungs will just expel it and cause long-term lung damage. Now, there is also crystalline diatomaceous earth, and that is dangerous for your chickens. So you need to make sure that you get the food grade kind, because that's the kind that that is safe for your chickens. And a lot of people will disagree with me. This is a very like hot topic in the chicken world, but I've done a lot of research, and most people don't know that there are two kinds of diatomaceous earth, and they won't make that distinction. And in fact, there's you know chicken educators that will talk day and night about how diatomaceous earth is going to kill their chickens, but they never make that distinction that there are two kinds. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. So uh, Spirit Drummer asks, we get to the 20s and sub-zero temps in the Midwest. Woo, that's like the surface of Mars. <laughs> Cold. I give my girls around two-thirds cup of scratch and the same of black oil sunflower seeds at night to help keep them warm. Is that too much? So, you know, what I would say is as long as they are getting like the bulk, I, I just think of it as like, I, I have what's called the Chickenlandia uh, chicken food pyramid. And it's, if you can remember the food pyramid that we used to talk about a lot in the eighties, and then we realized it wasn't that great <laughs> for humans. I kind of use that same concept and what I did was I put, you know, chicken feed, like layer feed or whatever uh, stage or type of chicken you're in, whatever the appropriate feed is for your flock at the bottom. So that's going to be the main thing that you want your chickens to eat. And I'm not, this is, this is for people that feed chicken feed. There are people that feed their chickens only scraps and or let them free range. And that's what they're responsible for getting their feed. And I think that's a valid way to feed your chickens. But I think most of the people that are in my audience, they're feeding their chickens with chicken feed and, you know, scraps and treats and stuff like that. So bottom, the bottom part is chicken feed. And that's what you want the bulk of their diet to be. But chickens also it's really good for them to have some fresh food in their diet because most chicken feed is processed. And when a, when a feed is processed, it, it is exposed to high heat, it loses nutrients. And then that nutrients has to be added back in. So it's better, it's good for them to, to get fresh nutrients. So in the second tier of the chicken food pyramid, chicken, yeah, chicken, chicken food pyramid, I will put like kitchen scraps that are mostly vegetables or low sugar fruits, sprouts, and, you know, food that is good for them, basically, <laughs> like herbs, things like that. Okay. And then at the top, you have your treats. 
Okay. And that can be kitchen scraps that are more like, let's say they have more fat, you know, maybe they're, they aren't uh, super lean or anything like that. So you would want them to have some of that. You definitely want them to have some of that, but it needs to be uh, not the bulk of their diet. So I would put the, the treat that you're giving at night, the scratch and the sunflower seeds, I would put that at the top tier. So as long as that's balanced and they're eating all of it, because you don't want that sitting out overnight, that's just inviting the rodents to the buffet. <laughs> you don't want that. So as long as they're cleaning all of it up and they have a nice balanced diet, I don't know how many chickens you have, so I can't tell you exactly like whether or not that's enough, but you should be able to tell with that information if you're giving them too much. Okay. All right, guys, I'm going to answer one more question. Chicken Tricks asks, I know you don't incubate eggs, but do you have a good incubator that you could recommend? Uh, you're right. I don't incubate eggs. And the reason for that, I'm not against it. I'm not, I'm not an anti incubator. <laughs> uh, I don't incubate eggs because I rescue chickens. And also because I have to be really responsible about how many roosters I have. And when you incubate you will get roosters. Um, and the same reason I don't let, you know, I don't usually let my chickens hatch out eggs because I don't want to end up with more roosters than I can deal with. And then I have to rehome them and, you know, all that whole thing. So I love the Brincy brand incubators. I've seen, I mean, I think for people that are starting out, they're just super easy to and user-friendly. Um, so that's where I would start. And also you can get like smaller ones. Like I think there's one that you just put like, I don't know, it's like six eggs or something in it. And they're kind of like foolproof. So I would go with one of those if I was starting out. That would be my recommendation. And it's a really good company. I use their their um, brooder panels. Like they have these, oh gosh, these radiant brooders for baby chicks. And they're really, really good quality. So that's what I would go. I, I would go with the Brincy brand incubators. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I want to thank my moderators. I don't think we had, I thought we were going to have um, the Chickenlandia presidential advisor today, but we did not have her here today, but she did help to produce this episode. And I also want to thank 13 Moons Over Mayhem for being a moderator. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for the wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember, please rate and review it. But one thing that I want you to remember above everything else we talked about today is that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.